And I remember looking at Adriana magazine, like, you're like, I'm not as fair as that. I'm not as slim as that. And I'm certainly not as tall as that, you know. Two days before my wedding, the first thing they said to me, you put on weight. I'm not. I just kept fighting and fighting, fighting. Even, even now, I will, I will admit very openly that I have not grieved for my cousin correctly. Hey, Bernie, this is Rina Diptianabu, and you're listening to the Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect, the podcast where each and every week I speak to fierce and fabulous females who each in their own way are changing the world one bit at a time. It's all about real talk here, unfiltered girl chat and women supporting women. So in this episode, I'm going to be exploring the notion of being imperfectly perfect. How can we as women embrace our flaws, physical and emotional and mental? How can we own them and feel confident in our own skin? I'm going to be talking fashion and style, both both Desi and Western, and how South Asian women can make the most of both of these style influences. And joining me to discuss all this and more is blogger, content creator, and influencer, Anjali, aka Anjali's Lookbook. Hi, Anjali. Hi, Rina, how are you? Good, good. So we just, um, <laughs> as as we were just uh, talking before that little intro, we we could be interrupted at any moment by little ones. Absolutely, but that is all part of being imperfectly perfect, right? This is the kind of stuff we have to now deal with. So exactly, <laughs> that's obviously fine. Exactly, exactly. So first of all, I just wanted to say that I really love your page. Um, I really love Anjali's lookbook. And for those people who don't know, just describe what kind of content you share online. Oh gosh, um, I always get asked this. I'm a bit like, how do I summarize my page? Firstly, thank you. Um, that's really appreciated. Um, I would say I kind of just share like my everyday random hacks, and those could be dissy fashion hacks, everything from how you pleat your dupatta, mm-hmm. how you wear the sari, to my traveling, because I, I absolutely love traveling, you know, and give my recommendations. These are just life tips and hacks that I share because these are the things that I learn. Um, and I just share, I suppose, parts of kind of my life more so cathartically or selfishly for myself, mm-hmm. but in the aim that it may support or help somebody else out there. Um, and that could be through a numerous amount of things. But yeah, I, I would say it doesn't maybe particularly have a niche, but um, I suppose I'm also known for taking Indian outfits abroad <laughs> and then prancing around in them yeah, with yeah. my Bollywood <laughs> imagination. Um, but yeah, I suppose over time it has like kind of developed for me just to share, and I say parts of life because it's always impossible to kind of share every mm. part of life. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. just to share my my wins and my fails, I suppose, because we don't always see the fails. So yeah. No, and that, <laughs> that is the nice thing about your page because I think, you know, I'll talk about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign a little later, but just the fact that it's kind of being quite raw, um, you know, not everything is polished. We have to look perfect and make everybody else feel like, oh my God, why aren't we living this perfect life? Because nobody actually is, um, which you talk about. And you've you've actually, um, you know, had quite a few ups and downs over the past year or so, haven't you, which you have recently shared? Yes, I would say probably 2020, as for most people, um, and 2021 has probably been some of the most toughest couple of years of my life. And that's with COVID aside, really. Mm. So um, I think, like I said, sharing that has been very cathartic for myself. But also, I just don't often see people sharing 
these kind of things and, and so I suppose we're, we're talking about divorce depression and death yeah, yes. I suppose, in, in, that, in that aspect um which I felt that the more I shared the more I got back from a lot of and I say women it's been men as well um mm. absolutely they have shared like how they feel about these things but yeah essentially that's it's, it's kind of been therapeutic for me and hopefully kind of helped other people out there and I, and I feel like social media has become such a place that you always have to be perfect and you get that comparison mentality which then affects your mental health generally anyway and sometimes the more I looked out there I was like oh I don't look like that whether it's physically like I don't have the boobs and I don't have the ass and I don't have Mm. like the the flawless skin all the time like you know nobody does or I I felt like huh I'm, I'm 33 am I the only divorcee like around and with no children either and not not yeah. because I had an arranged marriage because I had a love marriage do you know I like it just it often just really felt like I was constantly like failing on a lot of different things because social media doesn't show them things and I was like no. well if they don't show it maybe I, I need to start somewhere <laughs> And and you know what you just said, the whole, oh, I, I, I got married and it was a love marriage and then that didn't work out. Like, I just think for us as South Asian females, that's another level of pressure yeah. on yourself then, isn't it? Not just like, oh, I got married and didn't work out, but it's like I chose someone myself because that's a big deal, you know, still. It's, yeah. you know, obviously it's more accepted now, but the fact that you can't even blame it on your parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely like it's it's your own I say like divorce no matter whose fault it is and that's not really for discussion yeah I I do feel like as an individual how I felt you do feel a part of you has failed like you do um and there's there's no getting away from that and you're right like you kind of say as an adult I've made these choices but then also I now have to embrace the choice I've made of getting divorced yeah I now also have to embrace like all the other things as well while at it if that makes it like it kind of works like both ways like I have no one else to blame but me but I also have no one else to thank but myself either for for changes so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you, you kind of you got to train your brain just to be like yep yeah, I'm, I'm responsible for the negative but I'm also responsible for the positive and, and so. I think I think people need to realize and they probably will after listening to to what you've been saying on social media as well but they need to realize that this is it's not an easy decision for anybody like nobody goes into a marriage thinking oh one day I might get divorced you you just never think that like however whatever kind of marriage it is it's it's hard right it's that that decision not at all like and this is it like there's also a grieving process that like yeah you go through when that comes out because you're grieving and and I say it for, for me I was grieving the loss of a love you're grieving the loss of your future you're grieving the loss of your, some of the dreams that you then had and you're also grieving for a part of yourself that you may have lost during that marriage so it, for me I did lose a very big part of myself so I'm grieving for what I was lost and the end that I am now if that makes sense like for the better or for worse kind of thing mm-hmm. so there's like there's like a large aspect of emotions that you that you go through so yeah, yeah but grieving is part of it unfortunately yeah and and is that why you went into depression is it is it after that divorce it was um I think it was a number of things actually to be fair because I separated from my husband so circa 2019 halfway through um I also then in 2020 before the lockdown and everything else hit and lost my younger cousin so my Marcy's daughter okay um and as you can imagine like my Marcy is like my second mom she Mm -hmm. always has been yeah she always will be um and essentially her daughter was 20 so so my cousin was 20 um 
and yeah, she decided that she didn't want to be here anymore. And essentially, heartbreaking. That destroyed destroyed like a lot a lot of us, like as a family, like it brought us closer together in one sense, but it it was really hard to take. So there was the addition of now now I'm, I'm choosing to separate and go through a divorce. I've now lost my my younger cousin, who's not even hit like an age like you can't even imagine you know mm. I used to change her nappies I was I, I was 10 11 when she was born um she was like a little baby um like a doll to play with and now essentially I'm living on my own and we've just gone into lockdown yeah that's tough. I also worked for the NHS like I work for a private medical company works like 16 17 hours a day because a pan- worldwide pandemic has hit and you just think huh I think my brain was so long in survival mode that eventually it just you, it's just fight or flight, isn't it? Yes. And I just kept fighting and fighting, fighting. Even even now, I will I will admit very openly that I have not grieved for my cousin correctly, and I know that I'm fully aware of that. To me, but she's this... asleep, and for now, that's going to stay like that. <laughs> okay. I mean, there is no so, right way to grieve anyway. But then, absolutely. As in, are you saying you're you're not fully dealing with? Okay, she's gone. That kind of thing. Yeah, probably. And my way mm-hmm. of probably dealing with it has been like she's asleep. But in terms in terms of like the depression part of it, I think there's 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 several different levels, and I've had to understand like where did where has my depression come from? If that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. and I think it's multifactorial. Like people often think that people just go down a dark side and that's that, and they're just sad forever. I mean, it was multifactorial. I was like I said, getting divorced. I was starting to realize that I'd been narcissistically abused. <laughs> that in itself causes a different type mm-hmm. of depression um the loss of my cousin and thinking right how do we support family and what do we do living completely by myself by this point and being like right I, I live on my own around the corner from my in-laws my ex-husband but also not able to go like my family live two hours away also not being able to go out because we're in lockdown can't go to the office and work and take my mind off it have to work and have to work at home pandemic sitting and you have anxiety and other things like that like honestly I think it's just multifactorial um on where that came from so I, I never I can never pin it down to being like it was this but that's like, a lot that's a lot of stuff <laughs> to deal with over a year or so that's a lot you know and then the whole the isolation because I don't think like people that isolation that people had to face affected people more than they let on or more than anybody realizes absolutely and on one hand my being by myself was my savior and mm-hmm. on the other hand, it was also my foe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because in the sense that I, unlike maybe many women that I've spoken to, maybe even many men, I'm going to say, in this aspect, they, they moved home after they get divorced or separated. But what I found is you then have families, emotions and things like that to deal with. You know, my, my dad was super, super upset about this whole thing. Yeah. He'd, he'd often, you know, as and I will say this, my, my dad is a typical Indian guy my mom's born and brought up here my dad's born and brought up over there to very being like you don't understand how sad I am and they'd be like no I get it but I can't deal with my sadness to let alone help you and his emotions are absolutely just as a parent of a daughter who he sent away all these years earlier to get married to what she felt like was her love right so I understand but I don't have the capacity to deal with it and if I was at home I would have had to probably put on this fake facade, which I saved for work anyway. But when work finished, at least I could be myself in my own space. So there, were, there, were, there was like the good parts to it. And it also reminded me of how strong and other things I, I probably could be. 
but on the other hand it did also make me quite lonely because we had lockdown and you can't actually even go physically go and see someone when you feel like it um so yeah I I would say like the living on my own thing was it was I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and change that no matter how lonely at times I might have felt I wouldn't have I wouldn't have changed that you think that you needed it it's what you needed at that time yeah, and I, and I feel like, and I often say this on the internet, everybody at some point needs to have lived by themselves, travelled by themselves, even if it's just one short trip somewhere, um, or lived by themselves, just because there are small wins that you feel along the way that build your confidence and your self-worth. And I'm not, I'm not there yet. I absolutely still suffer with bad self-confidence. But yeah, there's like, there's like aspects of it. Like I, I remember... I remember this is in 2020 when some of the restrictions lifted. I'd been given a month off work because work had recognised that I, I was really struggling and I decided, right, I need to do something here and decided to fly off to cost by myself for a whole week. And I remember t- picking up the car and I was on autopilot, like I'd flown many times before and travelled many times before, um, done flights by myself, but maybe not complete trips. And I turned up to cost, picked up the car, drove and I found this like really random remote beach and I kind of sat on it and I was like, I just made it all the way here by myself. I picked up a car, drove to the beach, and now I'm just sat here. I was literally sat there patting myself on the back. <laughs> well done, Ange. And then I was like, oh, hang on a minute. I've got to share this with. Oh. <laughs> but, um, but it felt like there was just little wins. Like, it felt so good at the same time. Or even the first time I went and sat in a restaurant, like, I took my book with me. And it was, it was the island was dead. I mean, it was just a few weeks after lockdown had lifted I don't think anyone wanted to travel the plane was empty um and I went and sat down in the restaurant with like a book and and my headphones and my phone and ordered some food and, and all I could see was just couples dotted around and they're probably just staring at the poor Indian girl that's just come lonely by herself and I got to the point where I was like I don't care they're gonna think about that for one second and then they're gonna get back to the conversation and I just opened my book, ordered a whole load of good food and ended up, you know, making friends with the owner who was a friendly enough from Manchester and had married a Greek person. So it, it's fascinating when you're like, you think everybody's staring at you, but two minutes later, they're, they're back to their own. People are inherently back to their own lives and won't notice. And again, it just built up a little bit more of like, this is OK, I can do this. I, I can go and eat dinner by myself. This is, this mm. is, this is good. And I, 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 and I knew all those things because previous and could do all them things i just forgot i i really think that more people should do stuff like that you know even if it's just <laughs> no but not like okay it doesn't have to be like oh i'm gonna just book a one week holiday by myself somewhere that might be too much for some people but that whole sitting with yourself and your feelings because mm. and it's very easy not to do that now because you know like we we could be sitting with ourselves in our own home but we're scrolling 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 doing this that this that and whatever and we might be feeling a million things, but we're not taking account of all those things, right? Because we're distracted with this and that. And I mean, you know, either you've taken yourself totally out of your comfort zone somewhere. So it's just you, yourself, that's it, right? Um, or even in a walk, like, you know, you're not constantly on Instagram looking at things or going for dinner by yourself or something like that, you know? Just take yourself out for Nando's yeah <laughs> and honestly like and the thing is like my job even previous to like covid was very i say a lonely job i was on the road i'm a i'm a medical salesperson i was like always eating lunch by myself and things like that and you kind of like forget the kind of things that it teaches you but the other thing it kind of does it it kind of when you start to own something like that it pushes a lot of people away because it feels like to them you're telling them you don't need them 
and that's absolutely like not it so I would say always be kind of prepared that people get really worried when you turn around and say yeah me myself and I that's not mm-hmm. to say I don't need anybody and I will still put my hands up there is absolutely no way I would have made it through some of what I made it through with some of the people by my side absolutely mm-hmm. and that's not that's not what I'm saying but I do think it's important to to own some of me myself and I every now and again mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. take yourself out to Nando's for a lunch like honestly like no one's gonna bat an eyelid they'll glance at you for a second and then get back to their own lives no one cares look I have fantasies I have fantasies of like I've got told you I've got three kids I have fantasies of on my birthday I'm gonna go and check myself into a hotel and not talk to anyone for a day and I I said that once to my husband he was like oh my god does that mean you don't want to spend time with us on your birthday and he got really sad and I had to be like oh um not really but then really I do want to do that because I just think that's I don't know I just you know what I mean I just want to be just chilled on my own but then I think I wasn't like that you know when I was in my 20s I was totally the opposite I needed somebody all the time it was like oh god I've got to phone a friend I've got to phone a friend I couldn't be by myself I I just didn't want to because I'm from a you know family of five anyway so I moved straight out of that and then just you know with friends and yeah so you know I felt very uncomfortable about it I didn't want to be in my own company but I don't know what is growing up and also I guess escaping from uh the chaos of this house I value (laughs) I value it more so I really do value that time and just time to think time to think is is uh quite important and this is it I actually think it's like a like and not everybody like says oh self-love is like you know face masks and hair masks I don't think so I actually think that sometimes you need a little bit of time by yourself because and one thing I'll be honest with you I'm very lucky my my current partner is 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 absolutely brilliant he often says to me and you cannot fill anybody else's cup until yours is at least half full yeah like so until you take care a little bit for yourself because I often used to be no 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 I need to do this for someone I need to do this I need to get that done I you'd be like you can't keep doing all of this if he goes he goes if if you think it's selfish it's not he goes you keep wanting to help other people you keep wanting to do stuff yeah you're only gonna be able to do that if you fill your own cup for a little bit love <laughs> so yeah absolutely 100 percent. clever yeah so so let's just talk a little bit about the fact that you you are with someone now and you made a big move yeah. and and you're a stepmom as well I so am, these are all yeah, just I'm... new wonderful things it's new it's amazing it's scary as hell like I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this podcast you can say what you want it's not the BBC Um, (laughs) it's scary as fuck Mm. um sometimes and it's amazing yeah I've decided to now move away so um, so just in terms of context obviously I I lived in Coventry like with my parents I I lived on my own uh, uh, hang on a minute are you from Coventry I am no I'm born and brought up in Coventry no What? Why do I not know this already? <laughs> I went to Blue Coats. No, you are like li- you're lying. I went to Blue yeah. Coats. I went no, to Blue Coats. I went. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, hold up, for I'm going to find my. Are you serious? I went to Blue Coats. I went to Blue Coats Church of England School. I was born and brought up in Coventry. Uh, my family live in Holbrook. Oh, um, we live in Bedworth. Oh, that's around the corner. Yeah. So, and then, but then, because I, I then, I um, came to London to work at the BBC, and then I met my husband. He's a Londoner, so when we ended up getting married, then I, you know, I I moved to London and stayed in London. Um, Now I'm in Berkshire, so still south, but I'm I'm always in Coventry because my parents are there. Oh my day! So, like, 
Yeah, so I was born and brought up in Germany, but I moved to Bedworth when I was nine. Okay. Like, from Germany. Uh-huh. Went to school there. Obviously, went to Bluecoats there. I used to run a bunga class on Falls of Road. So I ran a bunga class on Falls of Road for, like, <sighs> for 10, 15 years. Even. Oh, wow. I went, to, I went to uni in Nottingham. So I moved out of Coventry to go to mm-hmm. Trent. Um, I then came back and, and part-time lived in Oxford whilst I did my master's. Oxford Brooks, mind you. I did not go to University of Oxford. <laughs> Let's just get back here. <laughs> I went to Oxford Brooks for my master's because I don't, I don't want to be like, ooh, Oxford. Um, no, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that intelligent. Um, did my master's at Oxford Brooks, moved back to Nottingham for work, and then a year before decided I wanted to get married, moved back home, A, to save some money as you do, and B, to spend some time with my parents. Because mm. um, I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after this anyway. And then moved to, um, so like West, like London, so back in Shear, like side, Uxbridge, well, Gerard's Cross kind of way, um, and lived there ever since. And then from there, I lived there, I lived with my in-laws for the whole during the period of my marriage, moved out just before we got separated, lived on my own for a couple of years, and now I've just moved to Cardiff. Wow, so like, it's the whole like <laughs> circle of the UK. <laughs> I just can't believe you went to blue coats. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> I wonder if we might have been at school at the same time. No, but I'm a little bit older than you, remember? Three kids. Um, <laughs> One's going to be 13. <laughs> I'm in my mid 30s, so we don't think we're too far off. Because people forget that I'm actually in my mid 30s. No, I'm just over 40, so I'm older than you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I might have missed it. You don't look it, that's why. Maybe that's why it's. But, uh, thank you. But I'm, I'm sure you were there when my little sister was. I'm pretty sure because she's about to be 30, so, you know, and she went to Blue Coat, so. It'd been the same year as my little sister then, because my little sister's about to turn 30 this um, this year, and she went to Blue Coat as well, so she would have been my sister's year. Oh my gosh. Small world. It, it really is. It really, oh, it's so nice to meet another person from and Blue Coat. <laughs> I, wow. I know. So yeah, that's, that's got, I, I went to Nicholas Chamberlain first for about a year. Okay. Because, um, yeah, it was either Ash the Trash or Nico's the Pickers. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah and, and then ended up at blue coat for the rest of my rest of my school year but yeah that's it uh falls a road for i bangla dancing but yeah so yeah that's, that's amazing <laughs> but how, yeah so now how, i'm in cardiff and how are and you finding it in cardiff honestly it's it's been lovely like i genuinely i i, I was bit, i was a bit worried but i also felt like i'd done my time in the london side mm. um and to be fair i'm i'm kind of back in london you know at least every few every couple of weeks anyway you know my, my partner works in london so if i can I'd, I'd hop in the car with him or vice versa and there's still a lot of lookbook stuff or you know friends and family there like, yeah that i quite like to see so you know so it's it's, it's, it's lovely I, people always think it's really far away from london it's only about two hours and a little bit it's not that it's not that far yeah so no it's it's nice and I think one of my biggest dreams and, and where I had often failed or felt like I'd failed, especially when you, and again, going back to social media, when you see a lot of this is the fact that I didn't own my own home. And it's something that I always said I wanted. And and I actually lost a home um, last year when me and my partner tried to buy one, the sale fell through mm-hmm. um, to actually now have it. It's, it's a great, it's amazing response. It's a huge responsibility. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, ah, wow, this is a bit big um, in terms of responsibility. But yeah, no, it's, 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 it's great. And I'm, I'm, I'm super grateful for it. And what about being a stepmom? What's that like? It's, it's good. But like I said, it's also scary because you're now responsible for a little human being. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I admire like any mum and I, I know I know we have done but there's there's also I feel 
maybe slight differences with like step parent where you kind of know what you what you want to do but and your maternal instincts but it's it's also you second guess yourself because you're like I'm their mum but I'm not their real mum like mm. so there's a lot of conflict sometimes um in that and again that's taken some time to like work out like sometimes I have to second check and be like is this okay to do and my partner will be like look you you need to take ownership of this and, and and do it and I'm extremely lucky in the sense that our little toddler has like we have them 50% of the time which again seems to be a really rare occurrence when it comes to men having children post divorce mm. and stuff so my partner actually has our little one 50% of the time so I have a little toddler in the house 50% of the time and I and I will say I, I admire obviously people that have children like full-time like like at least I get a break 50% of the time but yeah it's 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 been a journey like you you want you want them to love you but you need them to love you as parents so you still have to you have to pay that I need you to like me but I need you to also see me as a parent and not a friend yeah it's 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 finding that I've always loved children so Mm. like that aspect is 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 fine but yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a challenge, but it's it's also a challenge I'm super grateful for because I always wanted to be a mum and I haven't biologically managed to do that yet. Mm-hmm. So to become a step mum is a blessing in that sense, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'm gonna be completely like you said, we're, we're talking openly. Yeah, it is hard when you sometimes like, yeah, but my mummy does it this way, and you're like, I don't know if to cry or whether to be like, no, this is the way I do it. So do you see what I mean? Like the emotions kind of like go yeah. up and down because you're a bit like yes but I do it this way and you don't want to upset them like I said because you want them to Mm. like you but you also know that I have to trust my instincts of I'm doing the right thing Mm. but that that biological bind isn't it's not that it isn't there it's not there from the beginning like I I don't know him since he was a baby I've Mm. only known him for the past couple of years so yeah there's there's a lot of challenges with it but the, I get so much back. Like even now, before we went down to a nap, I got I got a beautiful hug. He came and gave me a cuddle and just sat on my knee. And he was like, "I just wanted to cuddle, Angelima," and I was like, "Okay, oh, darling, like that's, that's so, so nice." Like he always gives me a like cuddle and a kiss before he goes to school, and like being able to pick him up and being able to do like all those things. I do genuinely feel like a parent. Like I caught myself singing, um, you know, the the Go Jetta song going up the stairs, and my partner was like, "You're such a yeah. parent." Go, go, Jettas. And I was like, parent. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, I was like, uh-huh. I used to sing Bollywood songs and like R&B. And now I'm going, go, Jettas. Go, Jettas. <laughs> I was like, oh, jeez. Um, but yeah, and you, yeah. It, it, like I said, it, it, it's, it's interesting. It's scary. I, I, I like it. But I also feel people don't recognize step parents very often. I'm, I'll be honest. That's sometimes what it feels like. Like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in in Disney, it's always like the evil stepmother and all this. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Um, (laughs) But, you know, there are there if you if you if you speak to people, there are a lot of people who maybe their relationship with their own biological mom or dad isn't the greatest. And then the step parent is the one. And they're like, you know what? This person's had so much influence in my life, so much positive influence in my life. My step parent. So many people say that. Yeah, and this is it. Like, I'm, I'm probably going to be absolutely responsible for screwing him up in my own way, in my own special way. But I'm also going to be responsible for like the things that he does. You know, there was a little win the other day because he doesn't normally have showers, and I've taught him how to have his own shower and like or pull his own socks up and stuff. And there's like these little wins that you're like, I taught, I taught another human yeah. being how to do that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, like 
you know, there's an aspect of my partner has to get used to that. There's now a co-parent, like there's mm. myself to parent mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. and I have my own ideas and yeah. he has he has his way of doing things and it's it's finding our way together. Yeah. Um so me respecting obviously all the work that's been done from him and his ex-wife previously, like there's there's that to respect and then there's also things I want to put into place, you know, like random things like he calls my parents nana nani. Because okay. my our children, if we have children, they will call them nana nani, and I want him to feel included. I don't want him to be like my my half siblings. Eventually, FYI, I'm not pregnant. This is not an announcement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's all these things to have to like kind of think through. Yes. So yeah, yeah it, it is, and there's a lot. Mm. There, there, there's you know there's a lot of that. You know, I do I do the bedtimes or pickups. Like we we share everything that a normal family would share except for now he has a brown he has a brown stepmummy <laughs> and it's like you know he did say you know he said he was like you've got a brown face and face angelima i like it i was like great observation <laughs> <laughs> but you know the fact that he is quite young means it's also quite flexible you know like if if you were to then suddenly become like a stepmom to a 15 year old i think that would have a whole set of other challenges you know because teenagers are a bit uh they're not the easiest the best of times to their own parents so I can Absolutely. only imagine, you know. And he, like, he has a routine that, that like, I would have had if this was my own child. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it's been very funny. You know, he sleeps really well. And, yeah, it's it's that it's that finding that balance thing. So I, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, like, at all. But there's absolutely, like, there's absolutely moments where you think, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Um, I don't and I know hope what the fuck it's I'm okay. doing. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so we're joining the club <laughs> no like now I've had to learn about what dream weeing is you know like I never in a million years thought I'd be sitting there going huh, what's a dream wee and you know all okay. things like things things like that and people forget that actually like being a step parent like for me particularly our step parent is absolutely like I if I take on a title or I take on a job I'm gonna throw myself into it like mm. 100% when he's here I'm his mummy like I don't expect to call me mum he calls me Anjali Ma and again just finding like my place of like where where what what do we call me you know you know I want to I want him teaching Punjabi and like bits like that you know where where does that kind of like sit and the other day he actually came up to me I, I should probably make this clear he they're, they're not Indian he's he's completely white English Caucasian mm-hmm. and he came up to me and said, Angelima can I have some dindu please like, god you've Indianized him well done it's it's finding that like I said balance but yeah again you know what do we call me I don't want to take I don't want to take the mum title whilst I'm here because he has a mummy and that's I'm not here to replace her Mm. that's not my job I'm here to be your parent and act like your mummy figure in this house um essentially so calling me ma wasn't quite an option either because it was too close to mummy we didn't want to confuse and so we we turned into Anjali ma and at any point like before you actually you know moved in and everything with your partner did you when when you found out that you had a kid were you like oh my gosh you know was that something that threw you where you kind of had to think twice um, about it all because it because it's kind of a lot to take on because it's not only like you're taking on their child but then there's that relationship between the child and their own parent and they're obviously in the mix isn't it it's not it's like she's still around oh yeah absolutely like did it did it cross my mind like how am I going to deal with this yeah did it did it, I think it's going to put me off no not really I mean like what's hard is there's a set schedule like I don't have full control over for example like when we have him when we don't have him 
So if there's like other live things like travel, like we we love to travel, but there has to be booked around like when we have and when we don't. There's, there's no shifting of that. So like, yes, is your life limited? Yes, absolutely. But then isn't it limited when you had children anyway? So did it cross my mind that it's going to be tough? Yeah. Is it tough? Yeah. Is it absolutely rewarding? Hell yeah. But then I, I'll be honest with you, I had the same situation before I even got married. I, I knew my ex-husband wasn't particularly well, for example. Like, I knew there was going to be things associated with that that I'm going to have to deal with. And, again, it's about owning that, it's about owning that choice. Like, my, my current partner was completely open and honest from the beginning, saying, look, I have a child. Mm-hmm. This is how many days I have him. That's not going to change. And this is, again, like, if we wanted to be together, I know my only option would be to move. Because I'm not going to take away a father from his child who who does so much for his own child like mm-hmm. you know he's an actual 50 he's not weekend dad he's a 50 percent dad and all, i fell in love with my partner because he is a dad because that's you know ultimately when you have children what i'm starting to learn is that, that becomes a part of you right at every point so i know if it if that wasn't the case could we have moved anywhere Pro- probably probably but then that's also a choice i've chosen to make mm. Mm-hmm. so yeah did it cross my mind that it's going to be hard yeah is it hard yeah but does it balance out of course it does nothing in life is that easy no no it's not so. it's not it's not it's not at all so okay so let's talk I'm just going to talk about the whole learning to be comfortable in your own skin so so this campaign for instance that you did this little campaign on social media imperfectly perfect and you teamed up with Natasha Sandu who's an influencer too and yes. you know you took a series of photos and stuff which you shared which you in which you really you know you spoke about your flaws and you really embraced your flaws and I and I really liked it the fact that you know in one of those pictures you were like um something about like if you have a bit of a stomach and and you know most of us do who actually like food or we've had kids or whatever um you know how to kind of dress yourself in an Indian outfit still wear that crop top the little blouse jewelry or whatever and um still look good and feel good about yourself which was nice you know yeah like I'll be honest with you it was like a huge team effort like we had you know our creative director like Anish Vasani who basically had like put the whole shoot together so I, I didn't I, you know the idea kind of was I don't want to just do a pretty shoot don't want to just do a pretty shoot like I, I still want all my hair makeup done like I want to look nice and glam but don't just want a pretty shoot and Natasha seemed like the obvious option because she is also somebody that embraces um those parts of body shows like what pose looks like versus not pose and I, mm-hmm. I've I've done the same thing on my insta you know I'll, I will put up pictures in bikinis and swimwear and be like this is what it would look like if you if you yep. sit up yeah and then this is what it would look like what you would normally look like which is probably 98% of the time which is scrunched up with your tummy hanging out right because yep. that's the reality I've not had kids so okay I don't have a mummy tummy but I still have a tummy because well I'm a human being and I have skin <laughs> so like, yep. and I like my food so you know, as much as I train and I go into the gym, like with my ups and downs of the past few years, my body has changed. It has reacted mm. to all these different factors. Yeah. And and, and not just that, I, I have also maybe come to terms with the fact that I'm not always going to have the flattest stomach. Like there's times I'll eat stuff and I'm really bloated because it doesn't agree with me. I'm on Same. my period or all sorts of different things. There's going to be days where I feel absolutely fantastic and be like, oh yeah, it's not as squidgy and bloated as, but I, I wanted to kind of, get that across and it wasn't it wasn't oh go and hide your floor and this is how you do it it's about how do you kind of like embrace it like if, if you're comfortable having it all hang out good like good but not everybody is quite there yet yeah myself included like I often I, you know I'm only five foot two 
for a start. I have long hair because I've got extensions in my hair because I have really thin hair. You know, there's all sorts of things that we try to do to make ourselves better. And I was like, and nobody would know about- if you didn't say that to me. Like I'd never know that. I'd just be like, oh my gosh, her hair's so thick. Why is mine so thin? These are the things that women do. Yeah, exactly. And this is why I'm always openly like honest that these are the things that you just don't see. Like, you know, so much stuff when you when you see, especially Indian outfits, like you see them in catalogues and magazines. And I remember looking at Asiana magazine, like back in the day, and we're talking about probably 20 years back, yep. you know, when you're selecting your dream wedding outfit, like 10 years in the future. And you're like, I'm not as fair as that. I'm not as slim as that. And I'm certainly not as tall as that. You know, in Bollywood, you see all these beautiful like torsos, you know, mini, and I'm like, and I used to be like, why does stuff not look like this on me? Like, it yeah. just does not look the same. Like, everything's either too long or too big or too tight or it doesn't accommodate for the fact that I have 32 double D chest, for example. And it doesn't agree with the fact that I've only got, like, really tiny legs. And, you know, you kind of feel out of proportion. And no matter whose body it is, there's always going to be something that you feel yourself that nobody else can see yeah. or would wish that they had that's not quite right. And it was just about saying, look, that is the same for everybody and that's why I put it out there to say that you're like you know I don't like my hair that's why I stick extensions in it but don't be fooled that this is not my this is not my real hair <laughs> um but just but yeah that was to, kind of the idea to actually be honest and say those things it, it's not a given on social media that people do that you know there's a, there is a whole illusion a lot of people won't put a picture of themselves up without a filter on it you know so so that's what I really liked about that that campaign um yeah it was it was really good but did you you know you just spoke a little bit there about just kind of when you were growing up and things didn't look right on you and that kind of thing and I I have experienced that myself a little bit especially like you know the colorism and that kind of thing I just feel like as South Asian women there's a whole other range of things where it's like oh my god I'm comparing myself to Ashwarya Rai why don't I look like that you know people are very quick to fat shame as well um they don't even pretend to hide these comments it's just like oh you know look have you put on weight I, I could see people like after like I swear to god I picked up my my family from India like a, two days before my wedding the first thing they said to me you put on weight I'm like I'm getting married mate I'm getting married in two days like I really don't need these comments or oh you you know you should have lasered your face here why didn't you do that I, I'm like, yeah, well I can't I, do it now I'm getting married in two days <laughs> honestly and if it helps I got the exact same comments I had my boars that came over from India and I, I don't care that I'm racking them out right now if they live in India anyway um the first thing they said is because so my sister's naturally quite slim she's five foot six I'm five foot two and a bit mm-hmm. curvier and I go to gym and the, you know I had the opposite problem she was like it looks like your dad doesn't feed you you don't look like you have anything on you your outfit is going to hang off you and then the worst thing is because I've been on holiday because I've been on my Hindu and I've been to Cancun I had a tan she was like and you're dark uh, this is what I'm saying. No, it's, it's called it's, the glow. <laughs> there's literally no no filter. There's no filter. There's no shame in saying that to anybody, and no thought of how is this person going to feel, or even even like colors, yeah. even even colors, right? Stay away from this color. Oh, don't wear white because you're going to look too dark. Don't wear yellow because you're going to look too dark. Don't wear this because you're going to look too dark. A brown suit. You. It's like brown. What am I supposed to just camouflage myself or something in brown? Like <laughs> no, I want to wear oh. colors. And this is it, like, you know, it's, it's as you know, it's anti trolling and they, they just think it's okay. And I think this has also built, like, such a negative, like, image, self-image that we have of ourselves. This is, you know, this is why we set us our targets. We need to look like this, do this and do what, you know. Mm-hmm. I have black knees and elbows. And the amount of times I had got comments of, like, did you have an accident? Like, is there something wrong with you? Like, it's a bit like, Have no. you got, why have you got bruises? Someone looked at my elbows in an office space. 
have you got bruises? I'm like, no, I've just got black elbows. Oh, I do, I do cream them. I swear to God, I do, but I've just got black elbows. Yeah, honestly, the amount of times I'm like, there's a cream for that. Or stick your <laughs> elbows in lemon. And I'm like, who has no, the time for this? Sorry, like, I'm not being funny. Have you seen your own butta? Like, have you seen your own face? Like, what are you commenting on me for? Like, I honestly, I, I, I get to this point where I'm like, live and let live. Like, if my, my black elbows do not disturb you, yeah. they do not impact your life, don't comment on them. Unless they're going to physically, they assault your eyes. <laughs> Don't tell me. Like I and like it's a bit like people tell you as if you didn't know. And I find that's the most fascinating. Like, I just see, you know, you got something on your knees. I'm like, no sh- no shit, no way. Really? Like, have I? <laughs> oh, thanks for that. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. know. Like, fair honestly, I saw my grandma's gave me fair and lovely. Really? I was like, yeah, oh yeah. And the worst thing is, like, even on my feet, like on on the on like my, my bits and my tights, there's that. And I've I had comments about that after I got married as well from aunties. Even my mother-in-law, she was like, what happened to your feet? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, what happened to them? Does nothing happen to them? <laughs> it's just how it is. And then it was a case of stay out the sun. Like the amount of, even now, even now, when I put up pictures of me traveling and I have an epic tan, like I, I seem to have an epic tan, like because I tan quite, I'm not, I'm not going on holiday to sit out of the sun and the amount of times whether it was friends when I used to travel with friends and stuff go on holiday or even now where they're like oh no I don't like to get dark like that's why I just don't go on the sun. I don't swim in the sea because I don't want to get dark I'm like firstly you can wear a hat secondly wear SPF and, and thirdly why do you care like you cannot why can you not enjoy like enjoy yourself like okay be safe don't burn your skin that's not what mm-hmm. I'm saying but the amount of times people are like I just don't want to be dark yeah honestly it baffles me i mean don't get me wrong does my foundation match right no i've had to buy a new foundation but that's probably the most like that's it i actually love my skin with a bit of a like healthy glow on it but yeah i hear it so often don't want to get a tan don't want to get don't want to get dark yeah and i do wonder like where it stems from and it must be the anti-trolling yeah it's so it's so inbuilt you know it's a it's a colonial hangover i think um it's just so ingrained but then where when did you start then feeling comfortable with yourself because for be me honestly, I, I, 30s, really 30s. was it yeah it was much later on like I used to be like quite conscious even whilst I was married that and we traveled a lot um I think actually no maybe yeah so just yeah when I turned in my 30s I thought why what like I'm not able like I'm not enjoying like splashing in the sea or doing what I want to do like I'm not letting it hold me back, but it's it's that I, I don't want to deal with this this auntie sitting on my head, talking mm. about like when I go to the next family function after a trip, like ah, oh, beta, you got the tan, and it's like I know what you're saying. You're not saying oh you look nice. Mm. What you're saying is you've gone dark. Yeah, and I'm not having that. Like, and it and just got to the point being like, why am I living for other people's comments and other people like okay. Like I said, it doesn't affect... I had to put out of my head that they're going to make the comments. I can't stop them from making comments, right? Number one, can I stop them from making these crappy comments? No, I can't. What I can control is how they make me feel and my reaction to them. Thank you, Auntie. I really... I love my time. Thank you very much. And walk off. And that's that. And not have that next time I go on holiday to sit on my shoulder. And that goes for anything. That goes for whether I'm wearing something backless and something's a bit hanging out. That goes for the squidge on the side. Like... The amount of times I heard aunties whilst I was married 
saying either to their daughter-in-laws or daughters or whatever, you shouldn't wear that. You shouldn't wear that. And it's like, no, you don't think I should wear that. Mm. And do you know what I mean? Like, there's this image that you have to be, like, perfect in every aspect. And I was just like, but that's their opinion. And it's still hard. Like, it's still, honestly, it still crosses my mind. Mm. Like, at times, I'm not saying it's an instance which I turned 30 and I didn't care. That's not it. Like, I still get that. I still get self-confidence patches about myself, like, all the time. I talked about my bloaty tummy and stuff, but there's still days I look at it and think, oh, my God. Like, I literally, I bought a swimsuit the other day, and there was, like, a line there, and there was a bit hanging, like, in between, like, squeezed out, like, as if you're squeezing a tube. And I was a bit like, oh, no. So th- th- it still exists. But it's the language, what I'm starting to learn, it's it's what you say to yourself. I can't control the aunties saying what they're going to say. I can control how it makes me feel and my reaction towards that. Am I just going to bend over and comply? If I do, it is going to continue to keep happening. And the way I see it is I don't want anyone younger getting those comments either and made to feel like that. So it needs to be nipped in a bud somehow. Me saying, oh, yeah, thank you, but I, I, I love it. Doesn't it look lovely? They might think twice before saying it again. Mm. I mean you you are doing that you are like changing it for people by sharing this kind of stuff um on social media and and you have a lot of followers you've got like 11,000 followers haven't you like you're yeah. you're a brand ambassador and stuff but how did that happen like I mean did that take some time I'm imagining because you know you're doing really yeah. well I would say like I mean there's people out there that have definitely like not been on so my page has been open for what three four years four years I think and there's definitely people that have like got a lot more followers than I have in that amount of time um I mean one thing people, let's I'm not forget that some people buy followers as well you know so <laughs> so not everybody I'm, I'm gonna say there is obviously absolutely loads of people out there that I've like built from scratch up yeah. and it's amazing but I really really wanted to be quite clear about the people that I should follow and being engaged being real don't get me wrong is there fake followers in my in my list probably somewhere I've not managed to whittle out absolutely because when it gets to those kind of numbers it is hard yeah but like yeah 11 and a half thousand and I think there is again there's people that have had a lot more and not maybe become brand ambassadors but because I always stick with my statistics like there's a lot of insight and data that back that you can pull off Instagram and essentially you use that to pitch to companies and brands I'm also quite lucky that company and brands want to work with me because I think because of what I share on Instagram and, and what I'm like. So I've been actually, I think, one of it has been hard work and the other has been, been recognised for what I'm trying to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I say lucky, like I, I count myself lucky and being grateful that those people have maybe seen that platform as well. So that's that's been amazing. You mean like, come on, it says something for Natasha Sandu. She's got nearly half a, mi- she's got half a million followers and she worked with someone minor like myself because our beliefs and what we stood for aligned. And that's, like I said, that's come together because... Anisha Vasani like saw what I do and like you know is is very much there about trying to put things together there's other brand ambassadors like I said it's about knowing they're not if you think about it a brand ambassador the idea is that you influence people to convert to that brand whether it becomes sales or not so you have to be like well you have to be real and you've got to show that your engagement is real now, if somebody buys followers and buys likes that's just a statistic that doesn't translate anything for a brand of course but getting that information across is also really hard like I have seen I have seen people jump from 500 followers to 6,000 in one night that is impossible 
that's when alarm bells start ringing. Oh, how's this but, happening? But, but lots of people won't clock on to this. So there's a lot of brands that don't care whether your followers are real or not. They just care about the number. The amount of times mm. I've been told turned down for events or the thing being like, you don't, you don't have 10,000 followers, so we're not interested, is heart-wrenching. It really is. But then, like I said, I'm also quite proud for the brands that I work for and work with mm. that they recognise quality over quantity and that's been like really important because I mean and it's my I'm not I'm not a specialist on this kind of thing and I I don't have loads of followers and whatever but I understand that brands will sometimes even approach people who don't have that many followers depending on kind of what they're putting out and stuff is that the case absolutely like um I mean look you do have to learn and to understand like what Instagram is doing and what it needs so again like I plan my content I don't it's not just something I do off the cuff like there is and this is what I think people mistake there's a there is things that need to go into it you do need to take good quality images you do and this does not depend on how many followers you've got what you're producing is work and that has to be of quality essentially so it's not as simple of just being like oh yeah I'm just gonna take a pretty picture and put it out there and put some advice next to it it does like I have to plan like what's going to come next what mm. what is going to international women's day coming up what do I want to put out there what is the messaging and being consistent so you do have to know like reels are the good things right now so you have to then I had to upskill myself and be like right how's the best way to take videos what do I need to capture what works you know is it I always ask myself is my post because I don't want it to ever just be a pretty picture it always has a caption whether people read it or not I always take time writing my caption that's why sometimes I think it takes me ages to put a post out there because I think it's got to be a few things Either it's going to be educational. Is this helping somebody or is it solving yeah. a problem? Is this sharing an experience? Is this giving a, a recommendation? Is it funny? Is it entertaining? Or it could be just entertainment for the sake of it. I don't just want to put, oh, here's a picture of me in a blue dress and here's a caption about blue dresses. like Or something, you know, like, I don't know, a butterfly emoji. Like, the idea is that it's, it gives you a bit more context, mm. something tangible. And I think, that's kind of and yeah absolutely like there is a lot changing in that world where people want to work micro influencers because of that reason because it's lower infiltration so it's all of our business but it's lower infiltration isn't it so Mm -hmm. they might they may put more passion or and and I'm not saying that's not the case for higher up ones but they know they've got x amount of followers that quite niche and that person can put that message across um, and the thing is, in, in all business terms, they probably have to pay a micro-influencer a lot less. They can get away with gifting things, where somebody that's a higher-up influencer is going to charge more. Um, but they may not necessarily convert to as many sales. So do you see what I mean? Like, they've yeah. paid a lot to be up here. What's the return? Whereas they may only have to gift someone something here, not pay for anything. It doesn't harm them as a company to do that. So it's all it's all a business, I say game, but it's all the way, it's just business, essentially. So yeah. You know what? Thank you for sharing that because a lot of people wouldn't. They'd be like, mm, "Well, you know, I just uh, my content's really good and I just get loads of followers." But you've actually explained the strategy, and this is not a lot of people don't understand this, or they would never know that. So thank you because I, I find it really interesting. I'm just kind of um, getting an insight generally into this world, so I'm just finding it really interesting. Um, just Honestly, what, yeah. so much you can talk about it. Like, as, I'll be honest with you, the amount of people that'll be like, oh, I'll gift you this. I'll be honest, I don't work on a gifting basis. Sometimes I do, because I'm like, oh, I really like the brand, I really like the company, I just want to help them out. I'm actually, I'm not going to create a whole load of content, but I'll just stick it on my story, it might help them. But that doesn't mean I'll take on, every, like, honestly, you, people just think, and there will be influencer content creators that will just take everything for free. That does not 
like I can't work with a jewelry brand that does I don't know for example evil eye jewelry and then work with another jewelry brand that does evil eye jewelry because it's a bit like well who are you recommending where's the quality yeah. and this is it like I don't want to say hair oils you know I work with organics or behema for example I can't go work with another hair oil company because my followers be confused be like were well, you saying this is good now you're saying this is good like you have to find like that balance as well of not just taking like, everything that comes like this is why I'm like if you want my content it's majority of it's now paid because or I try to work to a paid aspect being like you obviously like what I do well then it's worth my time doing it because I spend time curating that mood board planning or, or whatever it might be so I mean there's so much on it we can do our, we could do a whole another hour on insta trust me I have my thoughts on it yeah I know I, I might get you back yeah. one day to talk about it more because there, there is a lot and I think that a lot of people are finding it very interesting now and how it all works or people that are interested in doing it so we will yes tbc tbc the insta stuff <laughs> <laughs> but I just quickly we're just running out of time but I just quickly want to ask you about your um the style inspo because um, obviously you're rocking some beautiful outfits uh, western and um, desi outfits on your page which I really love and and I also noticed that you um, you do quite a lot of fusion stuff which is nice and I kind of I think that's I've been talking about this on my podcast with some other people but I feel like there's been this thing where it's either like we have to go fully western or fully desi and if you do things like wear chanjara with jeans you're a bindu or you're a freshie and no, no some there is that thought or oh, it's not sure. cool unless somebody who is a, a white celebrity sticks on a bindi and then oh no now we can do it because she said it's all right do you know but what you I mean? say that but even then it's a case of then people get upset because it's cultural appropriation well, it, well so exactly then, <laughs> you, know, you just cannot you cannot win like I remember the whole like saga with ASOS put, like putting up Lengars for that honestly people kicked off about it so much and I was like hang on a minute people isn't this what we wanted isn't isn't this what we wanted is for accessibility our, for our, like to be recognized and to the point it was good because ASOS changed the name to Scott top, top and skirt to a Lenga but I was a bit like you people have to remember Lenga is our word for it you know I see a top and a skirt as a coward I'll call that a lenga like it's the same concept we're trying to get people to understand us but then we're hammering them when they take on like that was my take on the ASOS thing I was like surely be proud that a South Asian designer managed to get onto that but you're right like it's, it's finding that balance where you're not a freshie or bendu because you decided to wear your chandra or like your dupatta with something or desi you know desi jumke like on a night out versus being culturally appropriated because you decided to bring your culture into something like yeah. the amount of times I wish I could wear a sari to work honestly <laughs> I love it you know what I I don't know if you ever watched Bombay Begums on Netflix and Pooja, did, but yeah. when she wore those saris in that bank oh. right and she they were like power saris you know what I mean like those and the blouses Epic. I was like what job can I get where I can wear those saris because I want to they're just oh i've worn it to work in the sense that i've worn a sari to so we've had like black tie events at work like to like gala dinners and award dinners i'll wear a sari i don't care no <laughs> absolutely I my asos top in a sari i'm like yep i'm wearing a sari to this because this is what I exactly would like. that's it that's it i wore a sari to the royal wedding a sari and a fascinator because um oh, i was i, I was it. my dad's plus one to um harry oh, and megan's yeah. wedding and um and that's what i wore i just so everyone was like what are you wearing what are you wearing and i was like do you know what i've just got this urge i need to wear sorry i can't wear anything else i'm sorry i need to represent and i'm, I'm gonna mix it up i'm gonna put fascinator on i'm love it my sorry's like was like you know hot pink and just yeah i i felt and i felt good that day i just felt that's like i was epic. really feeling myself you know 
I love the fact that you put like such a Western twist with like a fascinator with a sorry. Like I did a shoot last year for, for or I created some content for um, a brand and it was exactly that. I decided to take like a Royal, like Bridgerton. I saw it, I, was I saw like, it, yeah. Why, do, why it. don't we wear, why do we, I'm, I love a fascinator. I'm, I've never been, I'll be honest, I've mm. never been to an English wedding. I just love to wear a massive big hat, like it'd be awesome. I was like, sorry, I'll just take one with the Lenga, it's fine. <laughs> I saw those pictures, I, I loved them. I did. I love that. Yeah, look. fusion. I think is is hard, but like, it's about finding that balance. You know, if I can wear if I can wear an ASOS top, like a crop top, as a sari blouse, and call it a sari blouse, why can I not wear a suit and call it an outfit in English sense? You know, like, mm. it's it's you know, you're right. Like, if you're trying to get so far away from being bendu, that when has becoming bendu is when is it fashionable, and when is it bendu? <laughs> like, I I think we we just are I just think it's this time to kind of just just be do you know what I mean just be like it doesn't matter like stop trying to be like oh no this means we're like this this means we're not stylish or we're bindles or oh I can't wear my mongol sutra like with my English co- clothes even though I want to like you know what I mean things like that if you want to put sindoor on and wear ripped jeans then that's okay that's you right. know it, that's what I'm saying you know I don't know if you saw love is blind the the um series two um, but there was I a, haven't seen it yet but, but yeah there's an Indian I know there's an Indian woman on Indian there. girl yeah and so, uh, something like that? Deepthi yeah so she um, when they had their uh, the wedding day thing everybody like they all went to this English wedding dress shop and that was supposed to be the whole you know get your outfit experience and then she just went do you know what for me this isn't this isn't what I wanted to wear on my wedding day. It's an Indian outfit and it has to be an Indian outfit for me. So then she went, took herself off to this Indian shop and she just, she came up with the most beautiful lenga. She looked amazing. And then even they did this, um, a reunion to just see how it's all going mm-hmm. the other day. And she was wearing this um, blue sequined gown with a slit with the jumkas. And it just looked so nice. And I just thought, you know what? I just, I love the fact that she's out there on Netflix uh, in this program watched by millions and she's rocking these jumkas and a gown it's nice but again like i feel like there is so much change in our um indian jewelry designs like i think our fashion has come on like leaps and bounds as well like it's come absolutely so far like we don't even recognize do you know what i mean like we we see it as in like you said jumkis but there's so much like in indian fashion that has changed that's become westernized and vice versa that actually now it makes it easier to become fusion wear you know like we wear bardo tops became fashionable in like western wear and all of a sudden now all you know all the blouses are like that you know sabia sachi goes deep plunge neck well plunge neck tops have been really in fashion on the western side yeah so we are also adopting that making it easier to create that fusion fashion i mean think about it if you were when you were 15 years old if you wore one of your mum's sari blouses which was the tie at the front with the you know the the, the cups Points. here and the other thing with a pair of jeans you know look like an absolute <laughs> bend or you know back then you put one of the sari blouses on that you got right now with it with a pair of jeans and a blazer and everyone's like whoa that looks amazing because you know our fashion's also massively adapted like you know i i, I wore for my sister's wedding a palazzo indian palazzo suit like um that i bought uh that i'd bought which is a designer piece and the plaza trousers are like mint with like flowers on it in dubai i wore that with a cami top and a, pe- and a belt because essentially they're plaza trousers mm. no one would have been like oh yeah that's a suit so i think it's 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 the changing of everything else and the adaptation of like our fashion with it you know we've got our petticoats that are a bit more comfortable they're not just 
breaking into your stomach anymore and all that sort of stuff so I think like this fashion has evolved as well quite a bit that it makes it more palatable and also easier to create that fusion yeah you know you can't yeah. wear blazers with suits and stuff these days because well yeah like you've, it, it works so um I don't know if you've seen the fame game on Netflix I literally on the last episode honestly okay um, I, I'm on, on the last episode of that I'm on episode three, so I, I need to uh, watch the rest of them. But in in the promos for it, Madhuri's outfits, she's really rocking that kind of fusion, you know, the crop top thing. And let's, for, let's not forget, she's like in her 50s. And she is rocking those crop tops with the trousers, with the jacket on top. And it's just so nice. Like, it, I just love to see it. Like, she wears, like, um, further on in one of the episodes, she wears, like, this really beautiful embroidery jacket. That queen and she's jacket. Got, like, it's not. It's red, like in the in the later episode. Okay. And it's got a lot, and just the way. And again, like she's broken boundaries for a woman in her fifties. Yeah. A wearing jeans and a top and one of those embroidery jackets. She's broken boundaries in the fact that like she's a fifty-year-old Bollywood star. And I was explaining this. Funny enough, I was explaining this to my partner as to why this, why I'm watching this series because it's so mm. epic. Her co-star is younger than her. You know, my partner's now been watching Bollywood, and he's like, "Why are these older men with these younger women?" And I'm like, "Exactly." Like she's making boundary like changes but you're right like it's creating that like fusion bit but there's so many designers out there that are breaking those typical molds papa don't preach you know building jumpsuits jumpsuits are not a thisy thing it's a western thing mm. that will made thisified that you can now you know whack a butt down with a jumpsuit and you know you're all good there's blazers and jackets as i said that are now that you see marjorie dixit like rocking the fame game and things like that that may have not like existed before and stuff so yeah i i, I think her outfit and her dressing in that is epic like i don't know if you ever saw four more shots yes i did yep four more shots whoever did their wardrobe amazing vide the wedding was another one where i thought like they broke fashion boundaries like a little bit with the Indian outfits and the everything way, like, they was were on wearing, point everything they they were were the like Western denim, and, yeah yeah they had like denim sari blouses with with their skirts yes, and I was like yeah. again a fabric and a thing that you wouldn't see with the design that you just wouldn't you know, do you know what I mean so I am loving all of that sort of stuff right now yeah no it's cool yeah so I expect to see more of it on your page the denim and the saris and everything but um I just want to say thank you so much for coming on it's been so so good talking to you finding out that you're from Coventry as well <laughs> um but if people are not familiar with your page just give your handles please all right so uh, it's Anjali's lookbook I'm mainly on Instagram is my main platform but I also do have the TikTok don't worry I don't just do TikTok dances on there because even though I'm a dancer, I don't just do TikTok dancing. And there's you, there's YouTube as well, which has some like tutorials and stuff on there. But yeah, definitely like if you're interested, always drop me a message if you have a question. Like honestly, my DMs are open um, to anyone that ever wants to share anything or needs any support, like for anything that they might be going through. So yeah, by all means. Thank you so much, Anjali. And thank you everybody for listening. I hope that you've got a lot out of this episode. Please do share it. Uh, make sure you've subscribed to this podcast if you haven't already um, on whichever platform you're listening on because you don't want to miss an episode. Thank you for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Until next week. Bye. Bye.